Calvin, Arminius, or biblical reason, which way do you see God and how he interacts with the human race relative to salvation? This is the Heart of the Matter short show. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. When it comes to the salvation of humankind and the purposes of God in redeeming human beings, there is essentially three ways as Christians that we can see him. The first way is through the eyes of old John Calvin, kind of a pinched nose guy, kind of tough, kind of put people to death for not believing like he did in any case. His ways say that from the beginning, God has been in control and aware of everything. Before he created one thing, he knew it all and he's aware of it all. And that includes the salvation of human beings. And he created the human race. Let's just use this symbol as the human race fully aware of what was going to happen with them. Because he said in his controlling mind, I will save a few people, relatively speaking, some people from this group over the ages, and I am going to not save the rest. And they are going to burn in literal hell, flaming fire forever. The Calvinists say that this is a good God. Why do they say he's good? Because he decided to save some. He would be justified to not save any at all, they say. But because he saves some, elects to save some, he's a good God. Okay? So he knew from the beginning what he was going to do. He could destroy all of us because we all deserve it. But because he's a good God, he saves some, and that's how they see it. Of course, Calvinists, uh, people who believe that, believe that they are one of the ones that God has decided to save. So, of course, he's a good God in their eyes. The second way Christians see salvation of humankind and the purposes of God is almost worse, really, when you think about it. It comes from the mind of Joseph Arminius, and his way says that in the beginning, God, before he created anything, he too knew everything, start to finish, including the fact that most human beings, all human beings actually, were going to fail, and most human beings were not of their own free will, which he gave them, were not going to choose him, okay? And so, because he gave them free will, but knowing that they wouldn't save him, that they wouldn't uh, seek him, He gave them free will, so he essentially created a destined group for eternal punishment. And what's worse of the the, uh, whole idea is that he can't do anything about it. So where the Calvinist God is all-powerful and he can at least save some, the Arminius God, in the face of him giving humans free will, his hands are tied. So he created this whole thing knowing that most of the human race, because of their errant free will, were not going to choose them. And most of them are going to go to a literal burning hell. And the unfortunate thing is he's powerless to do anything about it. And like I said, this version of God and salvation is almost worse than the cold and despotic God of Calvinism. Because this God knew from the start before he created anything that most were going to go to hell and he wouldn't be able to do anything about it. And he created them anyway, right? 
So uh, I see God and his purposes differently. And they, the view I'm going to present to you is just as viable biblically as Calvinist view and Arminius view. Uh, in fact, more so in my estimation. And I suggest that from the beginning, God, like Calvinists and like Arminius, God knew everything. He knew the beginning from the end. And uh, I believe that he also chose in the creation of human beings to give human beings free will. That's why Adam and Eve, they had, before the fall, had the free will to choose. Satan didn't have control of them. God said, choose, eat of the tree or don't. So free will was given to human beings from the get-go by this good God. And he knew full well the result of this whole deal, of what would happen beginning to end, giving these creations of his free will. And I suggest that even though he knew what would happen, God, being good and just and merciful, he didn't just leave us and abandon us, and he didn't decide to save some, and he wasn't inept, and he couldn't save any. What he did is he loved us so much that he gave us his only begotten son who saved the whole world that he had in his mind that he was going to create beginning to end. There is no end, but begin from the, from the start. All right. And that Jesus saved us from all the deleterious effects that would come in with the fall and with Satan and with genetics and everything else that we've talked about, right? He saved us from sin and from death and from hell and from Satan. That is what God did. This powerful God through his son for the world, he said, I am going to take care of all the negative stuff. Boom. Done. Hell cast into the lake of fire, Satan gone, and God has reconciled the world to himself. So in terms of anger and punishment and alienation from God, it's all been taken care of by him. See, that's I, I don't understand why in the Calvinist view, God decides only to save some. Why wouldn't he decide to save all? And, and in the Arminius view, he's powerless to do anything because the human will of, of uh, the free will of human beings overrides his power, right? But in this view, God says, wow, I knew there would be a mess with these guys. From the foundation of the world, I'll send my son. He will take care of all these negative things that cause uh, human beings to be all jacked up relative to me. But then God does something else relative to free will. He says, I am going to call to all people. They have their free will. And there's going to be some who seek and they're going to seek me and want me. There, there's something on their heart that says, accept what I'm offering. You see, the other ones don't of their own free will want truth. They don't want him. They don't seek. They don't care, but he's taken care of all the negative stuff for everybody. So they're not in trouble. He knew that most would not receive him, but he took care of the wrath that would have abided upon them uh, in and through the sacrifice of his son. And what he does now is he says, for all those many of their own free will who don't want me, they will die and they will have a place. It's not going to be a place relative to me. It won't be next to me. It's going to be not accessible to me because that's not what they want. 
And I'm going to reward them with what they've done in their life, whether it be good or evil. He's a good God. He's just. So, you know, someone doesn't want Jesus in their life. Someone completely disavows him, doesn't see God in spirit or truth. And uh, they die without him. If they were good parents and they were good citizens and things, God will bless them. He's, he's just. He's fair. And, and he, he's not going to punish them because the punishment's been taken care of. So in that view, God is still all-knowing. He is still all-powerful. He's still just. He's still victorious. He's still good. He's still merciful. And he still allows the human race to have their free will to choose him and or not, you see. Uh, but what God does is that there are those, perhaps it's you, that have said, I do seek him. I do want him from my own free will. I don't want to spend my life here like it's live today, like there's no tomorrow, eat, drink, and be merry. I want to believe there's another place where I can have relationship with him there and here. And so what those do is they, they call out to God and they receive his son by faith. In one way or another, the spirit moves into them by and through Jesus Christ, and they are born from above. These begin to produce fruits uh, that will last and will be in the treasuries of heaven. And when they uh, die, God will not only reward them, but he will bring them into his presence. That is what the picture scripture, uh, that is the picture scripture uh, gives us. That's a good God. That's a reasonable, loving, just, fair, merciful God that I know. Who do you follow? Who do you serve?